Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, whomever you love, wherever you are on your journey, we welcome you. My name is Lisa Teal. I'm a lay ministry candidate for the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. And I'm joined today by our Reverend Stephen, Music Director Hal Walker, and Director of Religious Education, Colleen Taylor. Blessed be the flower that triumphs at last in wonder over the snows, over the centuries, restoring to the world beauty, vision, and joy. Blessed be this flame as it triumphs at last in wonder over hopelessness, over darkness, restoring to the world beauty, vision, and joy. Sizzling garden, garden, my garden is a place to rest. I dream of a sweet sour moon. My garden is a bursting with surprise. I can't wait for my flowers to bloom. Smiles, mountain garden, a root tickling garden, rain blossom garden. Garden, wind spinning garden, moon sipping garden, garden, my garden is a place to rest. I dream of the sweet sound. My garden is bursting with surprise. I can't wait for my flowers to blow. I'm sitting in the center of my garden. Is to bloom, my little flower children. I adore them, but I'm singing this flower crazy tune. This petal popping, wind spinning, root tickling, rain blossom, summer sizzling flower. My spouse, son, and I recently had dinner with my extended family with whom I have little in common. My spouse made an interesting comment afterwards. He said, 
You've been a vegetarian since you were a little kid, and your family has never seemed the least bit curious about that. And my response, I'll admit, was a bit harsh. I said, well, they aren't curious about much beyond their own personal convictions and worldview. Maybe they're afraid something might slip in and change them. But then I turned the lens back on myself. Am I curious about them and why they feel and act the way they do? Can I soften my own edges enough to be curious about their stories? It is well known in research that conflict arises from the unknown. We create us and them, group distinctions, and never the twain shall meet. Yet when we get curious about the other's story, we draw a bridge between polarized sides. And on that bridge, I believe, is the only way to change the world. Surrounded by the emergent beauty of spring, the opening of the buds and flowers, and the coming forth of new possibilities, come, let us be curious together. Let us worship together. I want to share these words of Claire Feingold Thorne with you. Let us give thanks for a bouquet of people. We give thanks for children. Like tulips and iris, they multiply around us, making the world ever more filled with color, beauty, and new life. We give thanks for generous friends, as constant in bloom as daisies, and whose gifts lift up our body and spirit. We give thanks for feisty friends, as strong as geraniums, and for continuous friends who, like bittersweet and ivy, hold on and never let go. For surprising friends who, at first glance, seem withdrawn and then blossom into joy as quickly as forsythia. For funny friends, silly as snapdragons, and serious friends as complex as chrysanthemums. For comfortable friends, their gentle presence as soothing as the sweet smell of lilacs. For stormy weather friends who stand by us in hard times, like the lily of the valley that cannot be deterred by shade or shadow. For old friends nodding like sunflowers in the evening time, and young friends who come on as fast as dandelions. For loving friends who wind around us like wisteria and embrace us, despite our blights, our wilts, and our witherings. And finally, for forget-me-not friends, gone but never forgotten. Their beauty lives on in our memories and hearts. For this bouquet of people who brighten our lives each in their own way, we give thanks. These roses under my window make no reference to former roses or to better roses. They are for what they are. They exist with God today. There is no time to them. There is simply the rose. It is perfect in every moment of its existence.
Before a leaf bud has burst, its whole life acts. In the full-blown flower, there is no more. In the leafless root, there is no less. Its nature is satisfied, and it satisfies nature in all moments alike. But we postpone or remember. We do not live in the present, but with revered eye, reverted eye lament the past. Or heedless of the riches that surround us, we stand on tiptoe to foresee the future. We cannot be happy or strong until we too live with nature in the present. above time. has left the building. <laughs> Do it again. All right. It was summer in the garden, and all of the flowers wanted to know which flower was the best. The sunflower said, We are the best because even on the rainiest of days, we are beautiful. We always have our golden petals open to the world. People come to us because we shine with good thoughts, just like sunbeams. The wildflowers said, No, we are the best because we can grow in surprising places. Give us a crack in the pavement and we will grow, even if no one waters us. We are the spunkiest, most spirited flowers of all. Then the roses said, Nope, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> we are the best flowers because our thorns command respect and you must handle us delicately to appreciate our beauty. We teach patience and tenderness. The tulips smirked and said, Ha! How little you all know about anything. We, we are the best because we are the first flowers to bloom in the spring. We are also the bravest flowers because we poke our heads up long before you sleepyheads, yes, you, even think about growing. <laughs> the lotus smiled in compassion and bowed tenderly to the other flowers. 
It said nothing, but reflected in humility about its ability to flourish in the ugliness of the swamp and to overcome obstacles to produce beauty of the highest quality. And on and on went the argument among the flowers, and the white daisies said, Oh no, we are the best because we have pretty flowers all summer long. Then the big yellow mums said, Don't be silly, we're the best because we're the last flowers to bloom in the autumn. And each flower argued that they were the best. But when people came to the garden, they stopped. All the flowers were quiet and looked very proud, so people would say that they were the best. And one day, a gardener came into the garden. The roses fluffed their petals and pumped up their thorns to let the others know not to mess with them. And all of the white daisies stood up tall so that they would look the best. And the sunflowers beamed in the sunlight, knowing that everyone would be drawn to them. And the tulips were smug and busy congratulating themselves. The lotus just kept smiling. All the flowers were sure that the gardener would say they were the best, but the gardener only smiled and said, look at all my pretty flowers. The gardener took a basket and began to put the roses into it, and the roses were sure that they were special because they were picked first, but the daisies just laughed at the roses. Ha ha, you are not pretty enough to stay in the garden. The tulips said, We bloom first. We should be picked first. And the wildflowers were laid back about it all, knowing that they'd thrive wherever they were. The lotus continued to smile and reflect on the truth that life is transitory and all things must die. Next, the gardener put some daisies in the basket, and the mums began to laugh. (laughs) told you, we were the best because we are the only flowers left in the garden, they said. But then, the gardener picked the mums and put them in the basket, and the mums were, well, they were mum about it. Again, all the flowers began to fight over who was the best. When the gardener got to the house, she began to put all of the beautiful flowers into a vase. First, she put the tulips in, remembering that they were the first flowers to bloom in the spring. Next, she put the daisies into the, vi- into the vase and thought how wonderful to see them every day when she walked into the garden. Finally, she put the mums into the vase, and she was very excited to finally see autumn flowers. She had been waiting all summer to see them. All the, vases were then, or all the flowers were in the vase. The gardener said, I have the prettiest bouquet of flowers. Alone, each flower is the best, but together, they look perfect. And suddenly, the flowers realized that all along, each one was the best that they could be. But it wasn't until the gardener made a bouquet of all of the flowers that they became something special. At last, all the flowers were happy, and the lotus smiled. So which kind of a flower are you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unitarian Ralph Waldo Emerson also said that the earth laughs with flowers. And right now the earth isn't doing an occasional chuckle or subtle giggle. 
We're talking deep, full, rich laughter because there are flowers everywhere. Spring is in full bloom, bursting with energy, and everywhere you look, there are flowers. Nature is showing off, saying, look at how extravagant and generous life is. Learn and celebrate the world around you. As Unitarian Universalists, one of our sources of spiritual wisdom is Earth-centered traditions, which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. Today, we're together to learn what the flowers have to teach us about life by celebrating flower communion. This is one of our unique rituals as Unitarian Universalists. Does anyone know what our other unique ritual is? Coffee. <laughs> Fair trade coffee, uh, discussion groups maybe. Think, think the, the fall. In gathering and water sharing. Yep, yep. There's a sad but powerful story I want to tell you about flower communion. The ceremony was created in Czechoslovakia by a Unitarian minister named Norbert Chopik. Chopik had come to the United States in 1914 as a Baptist minister, but then found the Unitarian movement and joined in 1921. Then he returned to the newly independent Czechoslovakia to start a Unitarian congregation in Prague. By 1941, his church had 3,200 members was the largest Unitarian church in the world. So back in 1923, a couple of years after the congregation was founded, it had been a long, hard winter. Reverend Chopik went out for a walk. The rains had come and gone. The birds were singing and flowers were blooming everywhere. He was surrounded by all this beauty and he got an idea. He created a new ritual. He wanted to bring people together and not alienate anyone who had left other religious traditions. So the next Sunday during church, Reverend Chopik asked everyone to bring a flower the following week, a budding branch, even a twig. Everyone brings something, he said. So they asked, what kind you choose? What color? Choose what is beautiful to you. The next Sunday, they all brought their flowers. It was the first day of summer, and there were tons of different flowers, yellow daisies and purple roses, white lilies and blue asters, dark blue pansies and long branches with pale green leaves. There were probably even a few dandelions. Pink and purple, orange and red and gold and yellow, every color of the rainbow and more. Vase after vase after vase filled with flowers. Years later, members of the church remember what Reverend Chopik said that Sunday. We are like these flowers, he said. Different colors, different ages, different sizes. We are different in so many ways, but each of us is beautiful and important in our own way. Reverend Chopik blessed the flowers and then every person received a flower. This service was such a success, it was done every year. Dr. Chopik's wife, Maya, brought the flower communion to the United States in 1940 during a tour of this country when World War II broke out, though she couldn't go home. Norbert Chopik stayed in Czechoslovakia ministering to his congregation and then he was imprisoned by the Nazis for high treason because of some sermons he'd preached and for listening to foreign broadcasts. Chopik's gospel of the inherent worth and beauty of every person was shown to be, as the Nazi court records said, too dangerous to the Reich 
to allow him to live. He died in the German concentration camp of Dachau in 1942 as a Unitarian martyr and champion for faith and freedom. His story is remarkable. He was so badly treated by the Nazis, but he never stopped believing in goodness, truth, and beauty. He ministered to his fellow prisoners until he died. So today, as we celebrate Flower Communion, we remember Reverend Chopik and tell his story. It's a simple ritual we'll do together, but it's rich with meaning. As you came in this morning, you placed your flower in a basket. They may have come from your yard or your neighbor's yard, perhaps, or from the road or from a store. (laughs) These flowers we'll share symbolize the extravagance, the beauty, the diversity of nature. These flowers also symbolize us. As Reverend Chopik said, we're like those flowers, each of us unique, beautiful in our own way, a product of nature's creativity and extravagance, a gift to one another, to this community and to the world. Each of us with something to give the world, our wisdom, our unique combination of abilities and talents, our dreams and hopes, our passions for peace and justice, our love for all of life and for each other. Together, these flowers teach us what we can create when we come together as a community and share our individual gifts and spirit with one another, the same way the gardener combined the flowers in our story to create a beautiful bouquet. The flowers also challenge us to make this place big enough, like the gardener's vase, to hold a lot of different people, each person bringing unique gifts and diversity that add beauty and wonder to our shared life together. Reverend Lynn Ungar tells us, this is what community looks like, this vibrant jostle stem by stem, declaring a marvelous joining. This is the face of communion, the incarnation once more gracefully resurrected from winter. She says, hold these things together in your sight, purple, crimson, magenta, blue, white, yellow, red. You will be feasting on this long after the flowers are gone. During our flower communion, receive a flower even if you didn't bring one. All the flowers we have teach us that there is abundance and more than enough for everyone. Take a flower as a symbol of gratitude for all the beauty we did not create but enjoy, for all the blessings we receive, for the joy which comes when we don't expect it. Take a flower to be part of life's great circle of giving and receiving. Take a flower to remind you to be compassionate like the lotus, to shine with good thoughts like the sunflower, to be as persistent as geraniums, to bring beauty to unlikely places like the wildflowers, to be as faithful as the daisies, as brave as the tulips, and as spiritually lovely as roses. Take a flower to know that you are a part of this community, a part of the community of all human beings, and a part of the community of all life, what our seventh principle refers to as the interdependent web of all existence. And finally, take a flower to remind you that you are loved. And so it is. Let's take a few moments to reflect together. Kristen Collins says, we give to remind ourselves how many gifts we have to offer. We give to remember that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We give because we believe in music, love, and sacred space. We give with the faith that together we have enough.
This congregation, the UU Church of Kent, thrives because each of you believes in music, love, and sacred space, and you so generously give of your time, talents, and gifts, and your financial resources. We thank you. This is Norbert Chopik's flower blessing. Infinite spirit of life, we ask your blessing on these, your messengers of fellowship and love. May they remind us, amid our diversities of knowledge and of gifts, to be one in desire and affection and devotion to good and beauty. May they also remind us of the value of friendship, of doing and sharing with one another. May we cherish friendship as our most precious gift. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or hinder our relationship. But may we realize that whatever we can do, great or small, the efforts of all of us are needed. May we be strengthened by the knowledge that one spirit, the spirit of love, unites us. And may we work together for a more joyful and beautiful life for all. May it be so, and amen. It's time to share flowers. As a flower is given to you, I ask each of you to look at your flower. Take its beauty in. Take a moment in silence to say thank you for this gift you're receiving. Then when we all have our flowers, I want you to give your flower to the person next to you. So trade flowers and to receive the flower they give you. As you do, share something meaningful about your life or about yourself with each other as you're comfortable. Now reveling in the beauty we have shared together of ourselves and these flowers, it's time to bring our service to a close. Would you join me in the words for extinguishing the chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. May we carry these in our hearts and in our minds until we are together again. I offer you these words of John Denver. We believe it is here we must begin to seek the wisdom of children and the graceful way of flowers in the wind. For the children and the flowers are our sisters and our brothers. Their laughter and their loveliness could clear a cloudy day. Like music of the mountains and the colors of the rainbow, they're a promise of the future and a blessing for today. And the song I am singing is a prayer to the unbelievers. Come and stand beside us. We can find a better way. And now blessed by this time together in the beauty of these flowers we have shared let us go forth in joy and in hope to continue inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing in community. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen.